0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to New Books in Performing Arts, a podcast from the New Books Network. My name is Andy Boyd. Today I'm ta- talking with Jackie Lubeck about uh, her new book, To the Good People of Gaza, Theatre for Young People by Jackie Lubeck and Theatre Day Productions. Jackie, welcome to the program. Thank you. Could you tell Thanks. us about? Yeah. Can you tell us a bit of the origin story of Theatre Day Productions? How did that group get together?
1: Uh, the theatre Day Productions actually was uh, like part two of my life. Uh, when I came to the Middle East, that was in 1972, and I became involved then with another theatre company and uh, my whole life became involved with a, a Palestinian theatre company that was called Al-Hakawati. And that's when I started to um, know what was going on uh, in, in the country. In 72, it was a very small and friendly and nice little country. Uh, each side of the city, being Jerusalem, was interested in the other side. And it wasn't anything like it is uh, today. It was small and everybody was curious. So I found myself in East Jerusalem uh, with... Um, with François Absalem, and we—he was already trying to make a kind of modern, contemporary theatre for the Palestinians based on what was going on in Europe in the '70s, which is the Grand Magic Circus and uh, Aviyan Mushkin and all uh, the great puppet theatre. These companies that were working at the time, quite political and quite activist, and we got together. He was making the company. It was all very difficult. But we made, uh, everything is difficult here, but he he succeeded in making a company and that company lasted and toured through Europe and became kind of cultural ambassadors for, for Palestine until the 90s when it just all split up and everybody went its own way. But the spirit of making theater was there. And the idea of this new kind of theater was instilled in all of us in that company of you don't just take a script and, and make a, a, a play. You make theater to say something. You make theater to have a dialogue with an audience of some kind. Um, and then uh, I think it was around in, in mid, uh, in the early seventies, that the Oslo Accord started to become a reality. I had already changed locations a few times and I was now working with Jan Willems. And we said, how can we go back? How can we be in Palestine at this time uh, of of political life? And that time of political life was Oslo. So we we were both theater people. We were both Palestinian theater people, strangely enough. And we designed a program that we thought would be what is needed for a country that was just having its own Ministry of Education, its own Ministry of Culture. Along with all the other ministries, we didn't really want to bother anybody. We just wanted to uh, make introduce youth theater to the Palestinian school systems. And we thought that this was a good way to begin life after all of the intifadas that took place and after this lack of um, of of expression that kind of exists all over this part of the world. But for us, we were in Palestine, mm-hmm. and that's when it started. It started according to, in 94. We looked at the maps. We looked at where there was a lot of kids. We looked at where there was a lot of kids in trouble or a big, big population centers. So we went to Gaza. <laughs>
0: and, and um, so this was the mid 90s right that you're talking about it was
1: the early 90s 94
0: yeah so what, what was Gaza like at that time and what what did you what did you find there and how did you start uh, creating theater in that environment
1: uh, Jan started to go Jan Williams that's my my husband and partner and he went on a kind of an investigative trip. You could take a taxi from uh, the front of the old city to uh, the middle of Gaza, there was no border, there was no, uh, you you didn't, you just drove in, you took a a collective taxi and you found yourself in the middle of Gaza, and the Israelis were no longer there, they had left because that was part of the Oslo, uh, I mean Arafat was coming, he was on his way when we were just starting, he was going to arrive in Gaza while we were rehearsing. And he met some people who were interested in uh, in our project, which is making theater for and with kids. Now, in order to do that, you have to yourself first learn how to make theater. So it was a kind of a training program, a three-year training program, where we taught basic skills um, of of improvisation. And uh, it's a, improvisation sounds... Uh, like everybody uses it, but it's a very good way to get content and it's a very good way to meet people and it's a very good way to get people involved in a profession that they have no idea what it's about. So we started out with a very small group and we made a very small play that wasn't for kids. We just, first one is never good enough to be performable. So we began with this training group and um, it was very tiny. It was very tiny. We had no money. We just wanted to see if it could even work, that you give a a series of exercises and a process and a way of going about making things and then performing them. And then the second year you would tell stories and we would put those stories into uh, theater form. And then we would bring an audience and see if it worked. And that audience would be kids. That audience would be kids between the age of um, 12 and 17. So high, uh, high school, I guess, junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. That's a bit how it started. And
0: and is that pretty similar to your process now? I mean, when you're creating a new play, you, you and Jan and the rest of the company... Do you start with an idea? Do you start with improvisations? Does it depend on the play? What's your, what's your process for creating a, a, new, a new play?
1: So up until, um, there, there are two. The book, To the Good People of Gaza, this is all me because I wasn't in Gaza anymore. And the whole story of how, how of these particular plays, which are their particular number of actors in the length of time they have all kind of uh, they were all connected kind of to budgets. But when we started, it was mostly through improvisations, hours of improvisations with the actors based on how everybody felt, what everybody was going through. Uh when we the one of the first plays that we made is something called tower That's the name of a woman and a man. And this, the first thing that they did in Gaza was that they cleaned, this is in those years, in Arsenal years, is that they cleaned up the garbage. It was seven years of garbage that was all over the Gaza Strip. And the UN came in with all kinds of programs and to build the trucks and train the, tra- to the garbage men and clean the place up. And they asked us if we could help. And we said, well, we are not doing this kind of theater. We don't want to teach people how to throw garbage away, but tell us the problem and we'll see what we can do with it. And this was a little bit the secret of how of how the process continued from them, As we went, we heard all of their problems, we went to the municipalities, we went to the garbage people, to the mayor, to everybody that was in the picture. And then we laughed ourselves in the rehearsal room. And then we laughed for six weeks and, we made uh we made sure that in the contract the contract had that we had final word because we didn't want somebody telling us what they don't know how to how to uh, correct we made a very 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 funny play about two neighbors who live next to each other and they combined the elements of what the problem with the garbage was in gaza but it also uh it's also very funny the kids all relate The parents all relate. They all see how ridiculous it all is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it makes a, I think it makes a change not only in the mood of people, but it also is uh, a story that is purely theirs. It is completely Gazan from the names of the streets to the (laughs) names of the neighborhoods, to the actual problem it isn't something that you sit and write in a vacuum. This is what's going on. And it's very funny. And how we work is we work in Arabic. I write in English, but then I write uh, using Arabic sayings, grammar. Uh, and so you get, it sounds like a foreigner's is writing or it sounds like it's, it's, it's a fun, I, I, it's a funny, I find it a funny language to play with when you're working with two languages and almost creating a new, like, new curses, new sentence structure, new relative relatives that don't have the same names, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Yeah. It, it, yeah.
0: The language of the plays reminded me a, a little bit of certain like Chicano playwrights who mix English and Spanish in their writing. Like you get a, a little bit of that sense of, you know, the characters are are speaking Arabic and yet we're reading their dialogue in this kind of mixture of of yeah. you know, English but with yeah. with the Arabic words sprinkled in, and 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 so you get a, a, some of that flavor of that language.
1: Yeah, but that uh, became. Um... That was a big, that was a big inspiration because um, it's the first time that we had done it. First time I had done it, the first time Jan and I had done it. Um, And then what happened, I think that it was in 1997. So this was the first three years and the first training group and the first play that we made. It displayed toured all over the place. It toured all over the Gaza Strip because the garbage, the UN team, they were in the north and the south and in the middle. So we had to go to all these uh, all these schools and all these courtyards. But then we said, okay, Gaza is working. Let's go to another very big population center, and that's Hebron. Because a lot of the money at the time was also going to Ramallah. It was going to the new government. It was going to Bethlehem. You were going to have Bethlehem 2000, all these other places where... Other people were doing other things. We went to Hebron, where, again, it's a big population center, a lot of kids, a bad uh, the whole thing with the, the school system, there's a lot of villages all around it that have no curricular, extracurricular activities. And we started a training group in Hebron. So we were half the year in Gaza and half the year in Hebron, or half the week sometimes. Wow. Well, it depended because when one city was performing, the other was rehearsing and when one was rehearsing and then the other was performing. With
0: the same company? Not the same company, though. Would, would, would no, just, kind no, of
1: dozens and dozens in Hebron and the plays were different and yeah. the text was different and the language was different, of course, because they have different accents and they have different, they have different names and different uh, problems. They have different problems also. So uh, we wrote a lot of plays and the plays in the book are just yeah, uh, just the last nineteen, I wrote for a very specific uh, project, but yeah, you know, thirty years is a long time to develop um, it, it, to develop a process as we did. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's very interesting how we did it and that we did it at the time we were just doing it because because it was working and people were interested and again we had the support of of, it's not, wasn't so much a governmental project but they liked it they didn't have to pay for it first of all right we brought to the Ministry of Education we said don't worry we do everything we will bring the buses we will get the kids we will take care of the actors just bring us the kids and we made good relations with the, the with the one in Hebron and the one in Gaza to bring us the kids and they and and they did until they actually, were asking for it and we were all on very good terms and it all worked I've done a little
0: bit of performing for for school children and they can be a pretty difficult audience sometimes. I mean, just in terms of like they're 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 demanding. If if what you're doing is not funny, they're not going to laugh and they're not going to, you know, sit there and pretend they're being entertained when they're not. What were the first reactions to these early productions that you got from the school children in Gaza and Hebron?
1: I think that they are so surprised that the thing is so theirs
0: Mm.
1: and so personal to them that they haven't seen anything like it because the television is, uh, it's Jordanian, even then at the time, now it's a lot worse, but it's Jordanian, it's Egyptian, it's a Turkish series, it's a cartoon network, it's, it's things that aren't theirs. Uh, they have nothing, they, they can anchor on to you know, comedy and to funny things, but these are their stories. These are their lives and their neighborhoods and their uh, problems, issues, uh, situations. Uh, it's a country, yeah, you could tell, you can, it's an endless supply of stories here to tell. Uh, always, always has been and always was, uh, whether it is neighbors or parents or, or um, teachers in school, to say nothing of all of it being surrounded by an occupation. So uh, it, it was two crazy places to work in. Uh, I must say, we watched as the Gaza border grew and became what it is today, which is a mighty fortress. Uh, in the beginning, we were driving in and out at all hours of the night. And now you need permits and you need, uh, well, now you can't go now. It's closed because as we speak, we are, we are, well, as we speak, everybody from the company is still all right. Some people have lost their houses, but I don't know if you want to go there now.
0: If you're comfortable talking about how the company is doing now. Sure. Yeah.
1: And they're all miserable. they're all scared to death they're all nobody is in his house anymore or her her house i haven't spoken to anybody today we speak to between up one to five of them who have some kind of net from the old days that we can get um uh some information we know that they're for the most part alive uh not all of their family members though it's a complete yeah, it's a nightmare for everybody because here you know the place so well. You're so familiar with this little Gaza Strip and everything that they say about it, both sides are wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good people in Gaza there. That's why the book is the, <laughs> the book. It's a completely misunderstood place. There's problems. Of course there's problems. In 2000, uh, what was it, June 2006, uh it was june 2007 it was a year after the election that hamas won this election and um and we kept on working nothing really changed for us because we were working with uh, schools you know guys there are u.n schools and then there are ministry schools and together they make up the school population uh so nothing really changed until 2007 in june when hamas said that's it we're taking over And um, we still work, we still do. (laughs) For us, us, I must say, very little changed. Um, Yeah, very very, very little changed. We were very much a fixed part of Gaza. Everybody knew us. I mean, you have two million people and you're performing for all of these people, all of these kids who have all of these cousins and all of these parents. And everybody goes home and says, you guess what happened today. Guess what we did today. And they get They had gotten into a bus. They had come to the theater. They had uh, watched a play. Then they had talked about it. Then they went on the stage and played a character that they wanted to play. Then they got a brochure. They got a book. They got a you know. And it was a it was a theater day at school. It was a theater day productions. <laughs> yeah. So. And everybody when
0: did you? And the company eventually stopped working in Gaza, right? No, no, no. The company,
1: okay. we gave the company to the Gazans. That's what yeah. we did. So we trained the artistic director. He was 11 when he came. <laughs> the, the whole staff, we, uh, everybody that was there was trained for many years because the company really is 30 years old. So they trained for a long time and we knew, yeah, we knew what we were training them for slowly, slowly. You know, there's an assistant director. There's his assistant. There's we had everything was in place. We just handed it over. Wow. We just gave them. The, we gave them the, the company. We, they made a new board, and now it's theirs. Now. When
0: did that happen? When was that kind of handover? Uh...
1: It took like two years because, of course, it was ah, was not so... It's always difficult to do that. Conditions
0: are hard, yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, we did it in, uh, I think, in 2020... 2021 uh, was official handover, and we stopped. We went off salary. We got rid of all of our staff uh, that's not in Gaza in December 2022. The end of December 22, uh, there was yeah. no
0: more staff left. Are you, are you still involved with the group in Hebron?
1: Yeah, they're very funny guys. Uh, they made a company called Yes Theater. Uh. Actually, some of the funniest plays were made in Hebron because Hebron, you know, all the jokes in Palestine are about the Hebronites. So <laughs> I
0: don't, I don't know. What do people say yes. about
1: Hebronites <laughs> It's the same thing like the French and the Belgiums and the same thing like uh, you know, it's this, the jokes, right? It's the, the the stupid jokes. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, and um,
0: Minnesotans and Iowans, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, this thing. Yeah, sure. But they are ve- they are so funny that they know all the jokes, and uh, we had three very 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 good actors that were around the rest of this company. You know, we make. We, we usually work with up until, I think the first training group is we bring in 25, knowing that 10 are going to leave after the first rehearsal because they have to run for half an hour. And <laughs> most people don't think of, a, of this as a, as a professional or, or, uh, or art. <laughs> so uh, you have a, a basic of 12, and then somewhere between twelve and six is what to keep it for company. Because people come, they go. They have family problems. They have money problems. They have. So there was a group of three in Hebron that were very, very funny. That gave all the. Um... They were all funny. We made funny plays. There were a lot of problems there. We had. We were more scared sometimes in Hebron, if you want to talk about fear, than in Gaza. Gaza had, has its moments. Gaza has its explosive moments. Gaza is always like um, there's always rockets in Gaza. There's always shooting. There's always something going on. Not like this. This is quite something else. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 always it's 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 always been. Uh, I think for more years than even the Israelis know about it. It's always been a difficult place. The people from Gaza are very specific kind of person who grew up in this location near this Egyptian border. And in 1948, all of a sudden, uh, an entire country of people was thrown on them in the 48th war. So half the population was Gazan and with some money and businesses and uh, they were doing things. And then all these refugees they are, with, uh, are in their gardens. And for a long time, there was a, a, a kind of um, yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. The guys, the Gazans ran Gaza, and the refugees had nothing. And that has changed over the years because now there's more. You know, the numbers change all the time. And like our our company mostly refu- mostly refugee population, with a few people that are from uh, are, are native to Gaza, yeah, but really from Gaza.
0: You've you've kind of alluded a couple times to this idea of you know our picture of Gaza is is wrong. You know everything we hear about Gaza is it's it's not capturing the full truth of of the experience of living in that place. And and I I wonder. I mean, this is a a, a vague question maybe, but what are some things that to you, whether it's sights or sounds or specific little memories that that feel like that's Gaza to me?
1: Well. When you go, uh, the first thing is when you, there are, there are three borders that you have to cross to get into Gaza. And this is the latest version, let's say. So first you have the Israelis, and then you have like the the Fatah, which is the Palestinian Authority of the West Bank, them, and then you have the Palestinian Authority of Hamas, which is the third uh, checkpoint. And then you're in Gaza after you cross those three. So you need permits for two of them. You need the permit for the Israelis, and then you need the permit for the for the uh, the, the Hamas one, <laughs> and then you can enter Gaza. So Jan goes through all of them, and we go through one two, and then there's the the Palestinian. Authority uh, checkpoint. Mister Jan, Miss Jackie, come, hello. Uh, this is uh, very funny that people from the border are because he goes. He goes every week. People go every week with him, and they come. They still have to do their checking and their searching, and no alcohol and no drugs and no this and no that. But it's all became very friendly. Uh, I have some characters in the plays that are. I think it's like any small town. Everybody knows everybody. The taxi drivers know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need, um, if you need, every, people, they people are very resourceful in that they know how to do things that you wouldn't think are doable. Like I don't, people are going to be malnourished, but I don't think that they are actually. Well, I have to be very careful here because people don't have food. I think you need money now to get food. It's a hard question. I never thought of it. Um, It's a hard question to answer. There's just something very uh, easy about it. There's something easy about working there and living there and nothing is actually a problem. Most things are solvable. When the electricity goes off, there's a solution. People know how to hook up different wires, when but um, things are missing I, I don't have a concrete image in my head yeah but i know that i'm always um, we are always very calm in gaza i don't know why you go in and somehow you feel that you are uh, in um you're in a small society where you are actually part of it and you have a job to do along with the other people that have a job and everybody's busy doing it and if you have any pass along the way somebody can solve it now maybe that's everywhere maybe I've lived too long in the same place I have not lived anywhere besides here yeah I came here when I was 20 and, and now I'm 70 <laughs> and so I've never worked in the United States I've never worked in a, a quote-unquote normal country but I've visited and I've been and mm-hmm. I've seen that uh, that problems are not an issue. Yeah. Even now, even now, strangely enough, it's a big it's a big tragedy now, but people believe in God and they, and they and they go they go they're not crazy neurotic maybe traumatized now. Yeah. But not crazy. There's no time to be crazy and neurotic. You have to build your house and make your family.
0: But it it strikes me that that kind of sense of resilience and and kind of. Problem solving would be, in a way, very useful for creating theater, which is nothing but problem solving.
1: Yes, yes. We made a play after uh, I forget what year it is, and it's not in the book about how people are. There was one time that we were in Gaza, with there was really nothing to buy. There was nothing on the shelves. There was no candles. There was no electricity. There was no chickens left and when there's no chickens there's no eggs and it sets a whole thing in motion so i made a play called the game and it was um it's about these five friends uh who they have every day they have to sit down and figure out how they are going to get the things that they need on this particular day whether it's a pencil or a notebook or a chicken or uh elastic or milk and they they set up a whole system of trading and bartering, and who needs this? And I know someone who needs this, and we could trade it for this and for that. And it was, it was a, a very funny play. And of course, the politics. Of course, yeah. Why isn't there anything on the shelves, right? We, we don't even have to answer that question. Right. Uh, we just we have to see how they go. Uh, there's always something political. It has to be. Daily life in Gaza is a political story. There is always a reason why things are happening. Um, this isn't. Uh, you see the plays here. There are mothers that are cooking, and all of a sudden they have to call the schools because there's bombing. I mean, who's bombing, right? right. <laughs> but um, but is this- there a sense? Is
0: there a sense maybe that? Because that context is understood, like everyone in Gaza knows why there's no food on the shelves. Everyone knows why the Gaza, why the garbage hasn't been picked up. Is is that does that in a way make it easier to make comedy out of the situation? Because the tragedy of the situation is is a given. You don't have to explain it to anybody in the way that you would if you were bringing a play about Gaza to you know the yeah. United States or Europe or something. You know,
1: like yeah. I, I don't like uh, pure comedy or pure tragedy. Um, we have uh, plays, um, we have a play where within, I think it's the first three minutes, the boy, the main character is shot. And it's quite a traumatic beginning. You know, the kids all jump and they get all, and then we show his little life and how he got to that point of being shot. Uh, And everybody's quite sad that we actually, that he actually dies in the end. Uh, So we don't avoid tragedy, we, I like to, I like to, uh, I need to uh, layer it uh, in between reality, in between, uh, in between a a story that you're telling, because you can't fool the kids uh, and you you need to give all of them something to anchor onto that they relate to, something that say yeah that's that's me that's my friend. That's uh, in in one in the book one of the stories is called the brother, and this is a boy whose mother has died in the middle of the night. There's death all around. Yeah, that's that's an issue uh, that you can avoid. Uh, how people deal with it is depending on the character, It's how they deal with it. But you know, in the theater, all of a sudden, uh, the theater will close one afternoon. Why? Because everybody has gone to the Aza, to the funeral of a friend, of somebody who has been killed. And there's no question of, of if they go or not. They go. It has nothing to do, uh, there's no time out for a m- funeral. Uh, These are things that happen without um, permission, without asking. Somebody dies, you go. Everybody who's involved goes. Um, I forgot, I lost my track of the tragedy part. Um, Yeah, there is a small play that's called The Snow Trip about a whole family of six people that wanna go to a wedding in Jerusalem. And this anxiety of waiting for a permit and the way that you get a permit and the way that you wait and then they say yes and then you, then they say, we don't know. And then it's like with the hostages. You don't know until they say, here's your permit, right. you know, that they can actually go and everybody's bought new an dress, and they're all ready to come to Jerusalem to this wedding. And then there's all these three little girls that all of a sudden are not going after everything that they've heard, they're not going it's not all comedy it's not all comedy there's always some little sad because you need you can't fool the kids you know you can't say that everybody's gonna be okay in the end and that everybody is uh and that you will get what you want if you're good you know they're they're not we have yet you know before we before i started writing there was no play that we found that fit Everything ended happily ever after. We looked at a whole book of of the plays with the deaf, plays with the uh, bullying plays. We looked at all everything, and they all resolved themselves uh, nicely in the end, so that the kids wouldn't be harmed. But that we, we can't do that.
0: Right. One way to maybe get around this tragedy comedy question is is that it seems like a lot of these plays feel to an outsider like absurdist plays like plays by Genet or or beckett or they remind you of kafka or something wow and, <laughs> and i feel like these are like though you know waiting for godot is it a comedy or is it a tragedy well yeah it's both you know and and that's sort of part of the style of absurdism is is maybe you're laughing, maybe you're crying, but it's about the ridiculousness of the situation. Yes. And yes. And does that and that feels that feels resonant to, to your experience? I, I take it. I,
1: I think that real life is more in Gaza. It's more like like Kafka than it is like uh, in, in London. there's very strange. Um, uh, this, this, There's a lot of uh, that kind of stuff to write about. Did you read the one that's called, um, uh, I have it here. Uh, There's one where it begins with a very, uh, very big, the school. There's a huge monologue monologue in it Mm -hmm. called the history of yesterday. And this boy who hasn't slept in days, he lives in a big family of 15 people. They're very poor. He is trying to eat and go to school and he must finish school so that when he finishes the eighth grade, he at least will have finished school. And his father is, a, is not nice and his mother is uh, trying to divide food between these, uh, this whole family that lives there because the uncle lives up and the father lives there And it's a kid that's exhausted. He's completely exhausted. And it, it, they, they, there's two other boys and the three of them go together to the school. And there's no school. The building is gone. So the building is bombed. <laughs> and the three yeah. kids, well, at least we came. So let's like, do, do something. So they all talk about what they want to do. And then this guy comes, and he's so tired that they don't, know, they don't know how to deal with him. So they give him this assignment that he has to stand up and say, tell us what you did yesterday. So he said, okay, the history of the boy Jabber, the history of yesterday by the boy Jabber. And it's this enormous monologue of what he did yesterday, which is having to bring the garbage to another place, uh, be, having to run between the bombs, Then his little brother dropped the garbage. They had to repack the garbage. Then they had to hide from more bombs. And they went to a lady's house on the beach. And the lady said, no, you have to go back to your house. And they're still carrying the garbage. By the time they get home, they still have the garbage. The mother is still, but it's a very long monologue. It's like Mm -hmm. two and a half pages in the book. And it is absurd and it is sad and it is funny. And when you see the kids look at it, they are sitting there with their eyes open not moving because it's said fast. and looking at this kid and you see them, um, it's a combination of melting and freezing at the same time, because they if they don't recognize it in themselves, they recognize it in everybody around them, or many people around them that are in that situation. And that was that was written, though there were six plays that were written after the two thousand and fourteen war where where I wrote, it's called Lost and Found, where this collection of six plays is titled for things that are lost. And the play is about what is lost. So here the school is lost. You have a shop that's lost. You have a brother that's lost. You have a tree that's lost. You have a sister that, a, a friend that's lost. And there are these little, uh,
0: uh, um, yeah,
1: there are, I must Yeah, but I like absurd. I I could not write uh, if it isn't a little bit funny. So I think that uh, either it's my creative taste or my... uh, And it developed, of course, because you you can't be afraid. Yeah. But in any art, you can't be afraid. You have to say, fuck it, and then you write.
0: (laughs) But it seems like it developed also in in a dialectical relationship with the audience that found that type of material to be, to be resonant with what they'd experienced of what it's like to live in Gaza or what it's like to live in Hebron.
1: You know, a lot of these kids have seen only our plays. I don't know, I have not seen them in front of other people's plays. Yeah. Nobody else has performed for them. So what they know of theater <laughs> is, is what we make. Yeah. And, and sometimes they say, you know, you will hear something. I, I really don't know. Uh I I think that they they just love the, the whole day of theater day is special for them. But what happens I know they tell we know this we've measured it that they talk about it. They can talk about it for two years or three years even. Wow. Remember when. Wow. Remember when. Um so I I don't know. Uh I know that I one of the early things I can do is I will sit with a group of kids and say, "Okay, what's driving you crazy?" And they all have something that's driving them crazy. Kids, yeah. fourteen years old, twelve years old, and I I start to listen, and then we, you know, you you go into the rehearsal room and you see what comes out of it. Yeah. I like. Uh, I like some better than others. I like the ones that we made with uh, with, uh, with uh, improvisations, uh, because they are fatter with more content, more content from from the Hebronites or from the Gazans. But Bloomsbury yeah. didn't want to publish those. <laughs> the plays in the book are from this program. Um. After the two thousand and eight nine war, they wanted to make summer games for the kids uh, in the summer, and they said, "Oh, we said okay, let's uh, let's make a program for them." But they have they have two hundred thousand kids that they have passing through their doors. So the first year we just did drama workshops with all the people we trained. We brought all of these people together. And made a three-day program. But then we already said that by the second year of summer games, we are at, we'll be, we can't do this. We want to make something more. So <clears throat> that's how these players got written. Mm-hmm. I think that there are five collections here. Some of them were written very short, some of them were written throughout the year, but they had to be written for some have six, some have three characters, some have four characters. And very few have five and none have six because of um, because of budget, budget issues. And they had to be, the first year they had to be, because as what was happening is as the years changed, the time of Ramadan changed. And that meant that the summers became shorter for when we could have the kids. So the first year we made four plays and the second year we made four plays and the third year we had to make six plays. And each of these plays was made by Four four teams, and perform twice a day. Mm -hmm. So you had for two
0: hundred thousand students total, right?
1: Oh, total two hundred thousand.
0: Amazing.
1: So you had like every day. (laughs) We forget the numbers, but we have all of it. We have all of it um, archived and written down from the names of the schools to the number of kids to who saw what, and then kids saw. When kids realized that on one day they were four plays they would go running around looking for the other three <laughs> <laughs> and wow. sneak into the to, to the other three and this happened for it happened 2010 that's the first collection that came out and then 2012 That was also many, very many of them were after wars bombardments mm-hmm. and um yeah uh, that's how we did it so wow. it, Billions of kids uh, over, the, over the years.
0: Because I, I think sometimes we have this idea that things like theater are, are, are extra. You know, they're, they're a little bit superfluous. We should, right, let's have peace, then we can have theater. Let's have garbage collection, then we can have theater. But but what you've done is you've said, no, actually, we're going to do theater right now because because you're a playwright. You're a theater artist. That's what you can give. That's what you can provide, and you can't, as you said, you can't provide garbage collection, right. you know. Um, and I just I find that very inspiring that that you haven't said, you know, uh, let's let's solve all the quote unquote real problems first, and then we'll worry about education, art, culture, theater. You've said that that actually matters right now.
1: But I don't know how to solve the other problem. This I know how to do. <laughs> this I know how to do. And we've taught taught other people to do it. And can you imagine already somebody has asked somebody if our people are ready for when this thing is over? Wow. Because what we do in this, in in what we did in 2014, is we took 100 teachers, we taught those 100 teachers a three-day drama program so that they could work with the kids, because that war ended on the, in the beginning of the year. It was September and they couldn't open the schools because the kids were all stressed out. So we gave the teachers a three-day, let's calm down before school starts program. And then we went with the plays and then they saw the plays after that. And then within two, three weeks, they could kind of go, put, go back to a sort of a regular school life. So it was the introduction. It was what to do with the kids until they could get them settled in to be able to sit down and, and learn. And already somebody has asked if our people are ready yet. I said, well, first we have to fix our people. <laughs> right. right. <clears throat> and we have done that many times. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> we have... Um, After every, after all these five uh, bombardments, this time, I don't know what we're gonna do, but we will see. We have brought people to sit with them. The theater has been open for all our trainees, all our staff to come and do what they want. Who wants to talk? Who wants to tell stories? Who wants to sleep? Who wants to write? Who wants to do what? The theater is open. There's gonna be three or four uh, people from abroad, uh, it's, uh, theater people, but sensitive people who can uh, get, it. yeah, you have to get the team back together. You have to get the energy to want, people are very, 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 very depressed now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I've never heard these kind of voices before. But one of the, um, one of the women that works there, she wrote, she said, I can't wait till this is over. I'm going back to the theater. I'm working 24 hours a day just to get, my head around something that means something. And well, of course, that... to, excuse me, of course we have to make sure that the, the theaters are built uh, standing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we know, we, we know that they are because we have one theater that we have working now, but we've got money to build another one. And that one is only four stories built. So <laughs> we have to make sure that, well, the people count first.
0: Yeah. Well, well, hopefully you'll be able to have uh, Theatre Day once again soon. I mean... I,
1: we are hoping yeah. to know, and we are talking to them as much as we can.
0: Yeah. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for your time. I, I know you're, you're busy, and I can't imagine what you and your company must be going through, but I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down oh, with me and talk very, about this book.
1: Very nice to... Uh, I've never talked about it before,